And our scripture reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were, to, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he, would want, that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for, for your feet. 
Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of, breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Naughty guest speaker. It's always the guest speakers, muck it up. So the difference, I noticed the difference in dirt. Um, I'm a gardener. Any other people who love a bit of time in the garden? One. <laughs> but all your dirt, don't you want to be in your dirt? We've got a garden picture up there, Luke. There we go. Look at that. That's not my garden. But um, for... Those of you who don't know, it's a good time to be a gardener at this time because you can, you can relax a bit. The, the, the um, weeds have stopped growing um, so much. Really? <laughs> well, maybe we can talk about that later on. Um, there is still weeding that, that you have to do, but you don't have to plant so much stuff in the garden. If you want to keep the, the vegetables going, you can, you can take it a bit easy. But around this time, you do... Well, a lot of us do um, sow these seeds. They call it green manure. It's a mix of seeds. It, um, it enriches your soil. You, you sow the seed, it grows up a little bit, and then you cut it down and dig it in, and it enriches the soil. Last year was the first time I did green manure in my winter garden, um, and it went well last year, and I'm keen to... Well, I've just actually sown it last week. It has a mix of uh, rye grass, lupins, at least mine does, Peas and mustard seeds, mustard seeds, 
Last year, I was truly a bit worried about those mustard seeds. Do you remember what Jesus said? This is from Mark chapter 4, verse 30. He said, uh, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use it for? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yeah, I saw that. Um, Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. So last year I kept a a very close eye on those mustard seeds, expecting that if I didn't I might have to deal with a forest come spring. Well, here in uh, Acts chapter 2 we see what Jesus was really on about, the little mustard seed of the kingdom of God which was reduced right down to its king and 11 apostles at the end of Luke's first book, the book of Luke. In the book of Acts, that is Luke's second book, volume 2, and especially in Acts chapter 2, we see the mustard seed really start to grow. So the story so far, have we got that? Oh, let's go back one, Luke. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll stay there for a little bit longer. It's convenient that we're both Luke's. It's a great name. Story so far, um, in Acts chapter 1, we looked at, well, you didn't look at, but you would look at, if you did look at Acts chapter 1, you'd see the purpose, the program, and the preparation. You'd see the, the purpose of the book of Acts. Acts continues on from the book of Luke, all that Jesus continues to do and teach by his spirit through his word. The program, we see that the Father will send the Spirit through the Son who will empower the people to speak his word in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and then out to the ends of the earth. And we saw the third, we didn't see but we would see, the preparation. Uh, The disciples return to Jerusalem They have a time of praying and they find a replacement for the 12th apostle. At the end of chapter 1, you leave these guys waiting, waiting for today's event, Acts chapter 2. So now we look at the event, the explanation and the effect. Okay, so let's do the event. Let's reread verses 1 to 3 and look at the event. Okay, we'll move pretty quickly this time. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language, utterly amazed. They asked each other, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthian, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. 
So what happened? Well, it's 50 days after the Passover, so 10 days after Jesus ascended and returned to God the Father. It's the day of Pentecost, also called the Feast of Weeks, also called the Day of First Roots. It's a major festival for the Jews, celebrating the harvest that God's given them. Here more gardening. The city of Jerusalem at this time, it looks like Salamanca Market. Have you been to Salamanca Market? It looks like that. Jews from everywhere. Some of the places are mentioned in verses 9 to 11 and the 120 are in a room in the thick of it. Perhaps you could, remember, you could imagine one of those tents at Salamanca Market. That's where they are in one of those tents, 120 of them. And suddenly God gives a sound. Oh, one, one less. There we go. God gives a sound and a, a sight. It's fire. Wind and fire. Wind and fire, these show the power and the presence of God. They remind God's people of big moments in history when God, for example, brought life to dead humans through breath, through wind in Genesis 2 verse 7. Like when the spiritually dead people of Ezekiel 37 were given the breath of life. Like when God brought fire and his word to Moses in that bush, remember that? Or Mount Sinai, when God met with his people in fire. But the historical event that's most similar to this was when God sent wind and fire to the prophet Elijah and then sent his word so that he could continue his work, which is what we see next, doing well. 120 disciples hear the wonders of God in many languages. Tongues is an unhelpful word. I don't know why we've still got it in our Bibles. The word is better translated languages in verse 8. They're native languages. In verse 9 we have a list of them. They're speaking human languages. Nothing amazing in that. What's amazing, verse 7, is that it's suddenly the disciples speak languages they've never learned before. We'll never be able to speak them again, probably, unless they enrol in a language class. But suddenly they can and, and speak them fluently for a time. The people walking by the place hear the loud proclamation, oh, it's in their native language. Oh, it's declaring the wonders of God in Jesus, verse 11. So they stop and they have a listen and they hear the good news of Jesus. They are, verse 6, the crowd are bewildered. Bewildered means amazed, confused. In verse 7 it's amazed, in verse 12 it's amazed, perplexed, there's questions. Verse 8, how? Verse 12, why? What does this mean? Maybe you feel the same way if it's your first time to read this section. What is going on here? There's a lot of that sort of language in the book of Acts. How? What? Why? Perhaps Luke records it because his primary recipient, the man Theophilus, you can read about him in chapter 1, verse 1, maybe he has the same questions. What, what is going on? In the next chapter, these questions will arise over the healing of a beggar. Why? What? How? Most of these people are confused, although some come to their own conclusion, don't they? They're drunk. Most, if not all, stick around to listen to Peter, backed up by the 11 other apostles. He gives an explanation to the crowd. This is not the whole sermon. Uh, verse 40 tells us he spoke many other words of warning and plea. But here's the heart of the message as we come to the explanation. Peter stops speaking his unlearned language and speaks in the common language of the people. So everyone at the same time 
can hear the same words which clearly uh, explain to them that God has poured out his spirit as he promised he would. God, through the prophet Joel, promised this day would come 800 years before this time. You can see his prophecy in verses 17 to 21. Until now, as has already been mentioned, God poured out his spirit only on certain leaders with special roles. Until now, God had given himself in this special way only to certain leaders with special roles. But here, on the day of Pentecost, God begins the days of pouring out his spirit on all people, which means it's the last day before the last day. By the way, with the pointing, I'm pointing at Luke, okay? There's not someone falling asleep up the back there that I'm going, you're asleep again, you're asleep again. No, that's for Luke, okay? So just ignore the pointing. It's the last days before the last day. Joel teaches us that the coming of the Spirit is the beginning of the end. He explains that when the Spirit comes on all people, they will speak God's word like prophets. They'll know what he is doing as someone might after they had a vision or a dream from God. And that the day when the Spirit comes, he will bring the beginning of the end. The last days before the last day. On the last day, Jesus returns in judgment. Jesus promised in the earlier chapter that he will come back in the same way you saw him go. Here we learn he'll come back to judge on that last day. The symbols of blood and fire and smoke and darkness and blood moon communicate creation undone, back into chaos, judgment for those who reject Jesus. But verse 21, but verse 21, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus will bring salvation, verse 21, to anyone who calls on him. Please save me from God's righteous judgment. They'll be saved and safe from all that darkness and disorder and brought into a beautiful new creation with the glorious Lord Jesus. For God did what he promised. He handed over, raised and exalted Jesus. In verse 22 and following, Peter gets really confrontational, doesn't he? And condemning. Verse 22, you know... Jesus did wonders and signs. It accredited him. It showed that he was God's man. Verse 23, but you crucified him. Verse 36, but you crucified him. You decided to kill God's man. And yet, while they freely chose this way, they are also doing what God had planned and, and purposed. Verse 23, it was God's purpose that Jesus would die. Verse 30, it was God's promise that he would be raised and raised, exalted. In verses 25 to 28, we see that he was raised to life and exaltation as promised in Psalm 16. Your footnotes should point that out to you. In verses 34 to 35, God said he would be raised to rule over his enemies. That's from Psalm 110. The ones who've killed Jesus. Actually, anyone who rejects Jesus will one day have to come under his authority. Every knee will bow. Some willingly, Jesus, please save me others unwillingly as a defeated enemy. In verse 36, God the Father has given Jesus the Son this position and power. Which is a bit strange because hasn't Jesus always had this position and power? Yes, as God, but never as the God-man. I mean, there's never been a human 
ruling over all as Lord and Christ before. But now the dust of earth is on the throne of heaven. For the first time ever we have a human on the throne of God as Lord and Christ. And so this God, man, Lord and Christ is able to pour out the Holy Spirit. Well, the confrontational and condemning speech is also convincing. The leaders feel cut to the heart, convicted of sin. What should we do? How can we fix this? Well, they can't fix this, but Jesus can fix this. Verse 38, people should repent. They should turn back to God and be baptised as a sign and they'll be forgiven and given Jesus' Holy Spirit. Forgiven of killing the Christ and all of the other things they've done against God and receive the Holy Spirit, which in context means speaking God's word like a prophet, knowing God's ways like a dreamer, empowered to go out to the world with the word of the witnesses, the good news of the kingdom of God. Because this message is not just for the crowd gathered around the apostles. Verse 39, it's for far-off generations and people. It's for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus and anyone the Lord our God will call. Okay, so having looked at the event and the explanation, now let's look at the effect. Let's look at the effect. There we go. What was the result? Well, they listened and they repented. Or as it's put in verse 41, people accepted the message. 3,000 were saved. Now we have a total of 3,120 people in the kingdom of God. Here we go. See? The tiny mustard seed of the kingdom of God has just gone through a growth period. Note in passing that there's no mention of the 3,000 speaking other languages. They didn't. So we can't see the Spirit's presence here with the speaking of other languages as before, but we can see the presence of the Spirit here with the creation of community. That's in verse 42. The Spirit formed a community. It's the second effect. The Spirit does so many wonderful things in our lives, doesn't he? Things that aren't mentioned in the book of Acts. In Acts, we're really thinking about the Spirit giving us power to proclaim the word of the witnesses, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. We've talked about that a lot in this church meeting, which is awesome and right. But he does so many other things, doesn't he? Here we see him create community centred on God's word. The Spirit brings us into the triune life of God and into the lives of each other. And so the Spirit makes us together love to listen to the word of our God. And so the 3,120, in verse 42, immediately enrolled in Bible college, didn't they? And the, the apostles' teaching is their set text. The apostles took the things that they heard from Jesus and their new understanding of the Old Testament and they taught it to the people. They had plenty of teaching material which will take up uh, a large part of our New Testaments, won't it? The people learned, they understood, they enjoyed fellowship. They better understood as partnership. Partnership with God through Jesus by the Holy Spirit which brings partnership with one another who share in that same spirit. They're like a family, aren't they? 
And just as you care for your own family, they care for each other. They share, they meet each other's needs, they meet each other's foodie needs. In verses 42 to 46, breaking bread together, eating a meal together. I think of delicious Israeli food, but no, I must see fellowship, partnership, sharing, hospitality in these verses. There's prayers full of thankfulness and joy, asking God to continue his work. They keep flowing. Verse 43, there's signs and wonders of the apostles accrediting the apostles just as they accredited Jesus. Make no mistake, these guys are the apostles of Jesus. So the Spirit brings community. We see it in their Bible time, partnership, eating, praying, praising. And what's missing? What about evangelism? Where's the evangelism? What happened to going out with the gospel? These guys are staying and sharing, not going with the gospel. Where's the walk-up evangelism? Well, verse 47, people are becoming believers every day, so something's going on. Well, in the chapters to follow in the book of Acts, we'll see more about how evangelism worked with this community. But it seems like for now, for the most part, the apostles preach and and, and the believers model Jesus' community. It's not a far cry from what the rest of the New Testament expects of our churches. Some are evangelists, here the apostles, all of us ready to evangelise should God give us an opportunity and all of us living godly lives before the watching world, which is what this community is doing. And so some people became Christians and all people gave them favour, all People gave them favour. Society gave them favour. These spirit-filled believers, sharing and caring, they're a blessing to this city. And so Jerusalem likes them being around. And so we leave Acts chapter 2. At the beginning of the last days, with a lovely community enjoying partnership with God and with one another and welcoming the world who can repent and believe and be forgiven, saved and given the Holy Spirit, We leave Acts chapter 2 with the kingdom of God no longer like a mustard seed but well on its way to becoming that tree that the birds can nest in. Well, Just before we finish, let's do some application. Application number one, you killed him but God raised him. Peter's speech, as we said before, it's confrontational and condemning but it's true and it's true of us today. Jesus took our place. He took our sin. He took our punishment. He died because of our sin. And so we can't distance ourselves too much from that crowd who listen to Peter in Acts chapter 2. Our sin killed him. And in that way, it makes sense to say we killed him. We killed him. Our sin is serious. It killed a man. It killed the God man. But God raised him. The transaction was successful, the price was paid, the substitute was sufficient. God raised him and gave many proofs of that. You can read about that in chapter 1. God raised him and raised him, exalted him, so now all people from all places can repent and be forgiven. Now all people from all places can have salvation and the Spirit, which means it's the last days, here, today, 2019, Hurry up if you haven't turned to Jesus. This is not an eternal age of the offer of salvation. The clock is ticking. 
If people refuse to call on the name of the Lord, they'll be left in their sins. Jesus won't have died for them. They will die for their sins. They'll face God's judgment, left with God's judgment at that last day and the return of the Lord and Christ Jesus. It's a very familiar message, isn't it? Familiar words to speak, but goodness, we need to hear them because when we get that, it just changes everything. You look at the world differently, you look at Olveston differently. It changes the way we think of ourselves and our sin. It changes the way we think of our friends and their sin. It's going to kill them. Yes, they are lovely. They're kind. They're hardworking. They're cool. They're intelligent. They're witty. They're fashionable, ethical, athletic, beautiful, handsome much more than us. But these are the last days. See things properly. The last day is coming. They need salvation. They need to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. They need to repent and be forgiven in Jesus' name. Not very cool, I know, but very true. Repent and be forgiven. Not very cool, not socially acceptable, but neither will our not warning them or our not pleading with them This is horrible. Why didn't you warn me? I wanted to be nice. You were too cool. Mm, That's not going to fly. If you've not turned to Jesus here this morning, then the only thing you need to hear, I'm perfectly okay with you having slept through everything I've said so far, you wake up now, here's the important bit. The only thing you need to hear is this warning and plea. When you see the giving of the Spirit here, see a warning and a plea. You are going to die. It might be in 50 years, it might be tonight, but that death can bring God's judgment to you or that death can be a doorway into glorious, new, real, full life. It's your choice. Please turn to Jesus, receive forgiveness, receive his Holy Spirit, God with you. Imagine that. Imagine living life, doing day-to-day life and God is with you. Whoa. Turn to Jesus, receive forgiveness, receive the Holy Spirit, please. By the way, this is how it will happen. It won't happen in uh, the way that we read about in Acts 2 verse 4 with the speaking in other languages. It'll happen the way it's spoken about in verse 38. The 120 had to wait for the Holy Spirit. Some churches today will tell you you do have to wait for the Holy Spirit, but it's not true. The 120 had to wait, verse 4. Um, But verse 4, and that waiting was a special situation, waiting for the last days to begin. Now we're in the last days. It's verse 38 for us, and so don't wait for the Holy Spirit. This is what the rest of the Bible teaches as well. Acts chapter 5 verse 32 says, God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. So repent and believe. Don't wait for the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you've repented and believed already, you've got him. And don't expect other languages. These languages that come suddenly on the community, they mark the progression of Jesus' mission in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. It hits the Gentiles in chapter 10. The nations. We're a part of that final stage, the ends of the earth, the Gentile stage. Our stage of Jesus' mission got marked in Acts 10. So there's no need for another mark. We don't need Jesus to make this happen for us today. 
We don't need another mark for another stage. It's the same stage. Right now we're in the Acts 10 stage, if you like. Missions to the, the mission to the ends of the earth, to the Gentiles. And if you're wondering, well then how can we know that we've got the Holy Spirit? What's the sign of, of us having the Holy Spirit if we don't get to speak in other languages? Well, the Bible teaches us to expect fruit. Literally, godliness. Acts chapter 5 verse, sorry, Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Which, by the way, is what we see in that community that the Spirit forms at the end of Acts 2, isn't it? Well, Jesus has died, he's risen, he's been exalted and he's sent his Spirit. And that means it's time for us to go out to all nations. It's the last days and the last days coming. It's time for all people to repent and be forgiven through Jesus' work for the world. It's time for people to join Jesus' community partnering in learning from the Bible, sharing, praising and praying. I'm Vision 100 Luke, as you know, um, and so as Vision 100 Luke, let me say it's a great time to be supporting organisations like Vision 100, helping us to network, to connect and share resources for reaching the nations, helping us to raise up leaders to lead us out into the world, helping us to plant churches, places for the nations to gather and hear, repent and believe and join and grow and go out to the world with the gospel of God's grace. Let's finish our time with a prayer. Please join with me. Our God, we thank you for our Lord and Christ Jesus. Thank you for his life, his death, his resurrection and exaltation. Thank you for granting us repentance and forgiveness. Thank you for the pouring out of the Spirit upon us. Thank you for the power that we've received through him to take the words of the witnesses, the gospel of the kingdom to all nations. Thank you for the community your Spirit creates, bringing us into your life and into the lives of one another. We're both excited and unsettled that we find ourselves in these last days. Such a glorious time to be alive, so wonderful that we who have called on the name of the Lord Jesus can have confidence in our salvation and your just judgment. We think of those family and friends of ours who need to know of your judgment and salvation. Please give them the good news of your gospel. If not through us, then through someone and grant them repentance and forgiveness too. Please continue to bless our church with devotion to your word, hospitality, praying and sharing. Please give us sincere and glad hearts that praise you. Please give us the favour of the people in Olverston and please add to our number daily those who are being saved and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.